the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. I uh, hope you're having a fabulous uh, day. Uh, this is uh, Al Fadi, and uh, you're listening to Let Us Reason. Thank you so much, of course, uh, for your tremendous uh, support and uh, prayers. Um, I am, uh, you know, uh, so delighted and excited to report to you that it looks like we are going to be renewing our contract for another year. Uh, obviously, we take it year by year, and uh, we're always hopeful that uh, this will continue on. So that means that by God's grace, we will be into our fifth year doing this podcast. And I cannot tell you how much uh, it brings joy to my heart when I hear people now uh, in different parts of the U.S. and different parts of the world sometimes. They tell me they've been listening to our podcast. So praise the Lord for that. Once again, I want to thank you because of your support and your prayers and as always, you can always go to our website, Sierra International, that's C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A international.com. There is a section there for the podcast. You can access it from uh, KPXQ, uh, that's uh, K as in King, P as in Paul, X as in Xavier, Q as in Queen, KPXQ. They have uh, also a uh, platform there for Let Us Reason. Uh, a Christian Muslim dialogue with Al Fadi. You can go to many uh, of the social media uh, platforms like SoundCloud, like uh, Omni Studio, like YouTube, uh, our own Facebook, um, as well as uh, many, uh, you know, basically uh, other platforms. I can't even recall now some of them, like iTunes, for instance. You can just Google uh, the name, let us reason Al Fadi, and you'll see. Uh, basically where you can access it. I share this with you because I just want you to know that the Lord has been using you as partners with us uh, to spread the word. And that's really what it's all about, is I want you to always feel that you are part of this ministry. It's not Al-Fadi's ministry. It's God's ministry through us and through you. So thank you so much. Now, uh, today, uh, uh, even though we've started it something, uh, you know, recently, me and Sam Shimon, um, uh, pray for Sam, by the way. Uh, he's still going through some of the legal challenges, but uh, we know the Lord will be glorified through all of that. Obviously, we're not talking about legal challenges against him, but uh, he shared with you uh, in uh, one of his interviews with me recently about his marriage situation and the divorce proceedings that he's been forced to go through. So pray for that. Um, he will be back to continue along uh, with me the series that we started, it, which is about the deity of Christ. And by the way, I am pleased to report to you that there is a great possibility that he and I alone will be doing uh, some actual videos on my YouTube channel, Sierra International. 
on this topic alone. And uh, once uh, we firm up the dates and uh, we know that it will be a go, we'll share that with you. And once we do it, we'll share also with you the release dates. Usually we release our videos once a week. You can go to our YouTube channel, which is CIRA International. That's C as in Charlie, I-R-A International. Subscribe there. Uh, pray about what you're seeing. Uh, consider to become a Patreon patron. Uh, by donating even as little as one dollar uh, or even more whatever the lord puts in your heart all of these uh, uh, this support help us to continue to focus on building more and more of these quality videos which we've been getting a lot of comments from people even globally by the way i've done some series with jay smith about the critical uh, history of islam and uh, we've done also some recent series, apologetic series with both David Wood and Sam Shimon. So we pray that uh, there'll be a blessing to you. Use them in your ministry. Once again, if you're tuning in right now, this is Al Fadi and you're listening to Let Us Reason. Uh, today, I wanted to do something uh, that I've done a couple of times before and received a number of positive comments about it. And that's to give you an update about some of my recent posts on Facebook. Now, recently, I've been going through a series that I called, basically, Idolatry in Islam. And I've been t given them the title of either Dilemma or Massive Dilemma or Major Dilemma. But these ones I'm calling a Massive Islamic Dilemma. And I have been pointing out certain rituals in Islam that, to a common Muslim, sometimes they tend not to think about it. And even to Westerners or others that do not know anything about Islam, they don't really think twice about what's going on. So our job is to try to help people realize what is happening. For instance, Islam has five pillars, and any Muslim must fulfill the requirements of all of these five pillars, with the exception to the uh, fifth pillar, which is the pilgrimage or the Hajj. Only uh, Muslims who are unable to travel to Mecca and to perform this almost like a little over week-long ritual uh, for maybe political reasons, they're denied visa, maybe financially they're unable to travel, maybe health-wise or age-wise, even though these days, by the way, there's a lot of scholarships for th these kind of things. Uh, if a Muslim can go, then there are a number of things that they have to do. One of it is to visit Mecca, of course, to circumvent around the shrine called the Kaaba, uh, to touch the uh, black stone if they can, or even kiss it if possible, uh, praying you know, in certain spots, then performing other uh, rituals, one of them called the Sa'i, which is running between two mountains uh, near uh, basically the Kaaba, the shrine. There is another station in there that they uh, are encouraged to visit and pray at. It's called the Abrahamic Station, where it has a footprint, uh, uh, the, uh, basically the uh, the marking of the footprint of Abraham in a rock, actually, and it's encased inside of a gold uh, uh, station uh, along with glass where you can see through, technically speaking. And then after that, they have to go to a mount, mountain called Mount Arafat, and they pray the whole day, and they worship, and they praise the God of Islam for all of that day. And then the next day, they celebrate what we call the Al-Adha, which is the uh, Feast of the Sacrifice, which is to commemorate what Abraham was going to do to sacrifice his son, although Muslims think that it was Ishmael, not Isaac. But what I'm saying is there's a lot of things uh, that Muslims have to do in this pilgrimage. Now, one of those rituals uh, is going on the, uh, after they celebrate the festival, basically, and slaughter an animal for that, a blood sacrifice. They go to a location called Mina, for three days, if they could. And in there, they would stone a certain pillar representing Satan. 
and they would stone it with seven pieces of stone. And they come back the next day, do the same thing, and the next day do the same thing. And then, uh, technically speaking, they go back to Mecca, circumvent around the Kaaba, and the ritual is over, technically speaking. But what is the significance of doing something like this, stoning a stone, technically, with pieces of pebbles or stone? Well, uh, there is a number of theories and uh, fables, I call them, about this particular uh, reason. One of the most common ones is that when Abraham was taking his son to go and sacrifice him in obedience to the command of God, that Satan was trying to tempt him not to do so. And as he was basically walking, taking his son to that location, that he would throw stones at Satan so that Satan will leave him alone. So that's the most common, basically, theory as to why uh, this took place. Now, there's another minor theory would say, no, this really has nothing to do with Abraham, but it has something to do with the uh, uh, Ethiopian or uh, the uh, Abyssinian, uh, basically, uh, emperor um, uh, who came, technically speaking, um, you know, uh, some, some said he was a Jew, some said he was a Christian, some say he was uh, uh, has his own religion. Nevertheless, he came from uh, South Arabia. Uh, to destroy what we know today as the Kaaba and Mecca, because before the birth of the Prophet of Islam, uh, he built a massive, uh, let's call it a, um, uh, you know, temple, if you wish, and uh, wanted people to come and worship at his temple, but he was told that people are still going to Mecca, even though Muhammad wasn't born yet and Islam wasn't a scene. And they would go and perform rituals in there. That, that just tells you, by the way, that many of the Islamic rituals today were paganistic and pre-Islamic anyway. But be it as it may, let's just uh, stick to the story. So he took elephants with him and went over there and tried to use the elephants as like a bulldozer, if you wish, to destroy the Kaaba. And the story goes uh, as this, that uh, the God of Islam sent birds who were carrying in their peaks, basically, uh, uh, fiery stones from hell. And they would throw these stones at the heads of the soldiers and at the elephants and destroy the army, technically speaking. So people say, well, throwing stone at uh, the pillars is commemorating uh, what happened. But no, I would disagree, of course, with that, because the existence of the three pillars is kind of telling, because... Uh, uh, Islam agrees that it took three days journey for Abraham basically to take his son to a, a specific location for the sacrifice. So this the three days journey is taken out of the Bible, by the way. But as far as the location, of course, is way off uh, because that's not where it happened. It happened way north, uh, closer to the promised land area, of course, and uh, in the promised land area, I should say. And that's where many believe it's the spot where Jesus himself got crucified uh, hundreds of years or thousands of years later. But be it as it may, it's obvious that Islam borrows, as always, from other fables or stories, and sometimes there is truth into them, but it gets spun off sometimes into a fable. Uh, and, you know, the founder of Islam, for whatever reason, thought that this story is legit and therefore uh, declared it to be part of the pillars of Islam. In other words, you cannot be a fully vetted Muslim allowed into the presence of the God of Islam if you don't do something like this. And I say, this is a an act of idolatry. I mean, why would you go to a pillar of stone and try to stone it 
as if you are defeating Satan, who is a spiritual being, and using physical objects to try to basically as if you are harming him and hurting him. And I can assure you, you hear many stories of people who go to this pilgrimage that their wallets have been stolen, women get harassed sexually, uh, people fighting with each other, which tells me Satan is alive and kicking, actually. He's not chained in these pillars, and uh, he's not even the least hurt by those kind of rituals. And it saddens me because it tells us here that Satan is the one who is getting the last laugh here at those who travel the world to get there, and they are so zealot to serve this fictional God that they want to do whatever it takes to please him. And that's really what is so sad about it. So go and visit my Facebook, my personal Facebook, which is alfadi.sira, alfadi, A as in apple, L as in luma, F as in Frank, A as in apple, D as in David, I, dot, sira, C as in Charlie, I, R as in Romeo, A as in apple. And also sometimes you'll find these posts or our videos in our ministry uh, page, which is uh, uh, the Alfadi and also Sira International, uh, because the ministry itself has its own page. Uh, so I have my own personal page, and there is also uh, I have a uh, a personal ministry page as well. So when you go there, hopefully you'll find them uh, educational. You can use them in your witness to Muslims, and the idea is to really ask. Uh, questions of our Muslim friends. If Islam is a religion that came to destroy idolatry, as the claim is, if Islam is a religion that came to fight uh, the worship of idols, why is it that then some pre-Islamic rituals, this, this one was one of them, uh, the stoning of these pillars, why is it that Islam retains some of those? And what's the significance about that? Why, can, why don't we focus just on the meaning behind the attempt to sacrifice the son by obedience, by Abraham, and see how Jesus is connected to that rather than to say that Satan was defeated uh, that way. No, Jesus defeated Satan. The cross defeated Satan, not the stones. And of course, it's kind of interesting. Uh, we can say, really, the cornerstone has defeated Satan because that's a description of Jesus. But nevertheless, unfortunately, that's what Satan does. He takes the truth and spin it off in order to uh, muddy the water for people, destroy uh, the truth, basically, with these kind of actions and uh, develop uh, these vague rituals that will cover the truth that is much needed to be heard by Muslims. Okay, so that one of those uh, basically posts. Let me go to another post. Another series that I'm uh, going through, uh, I call it Islam in the Bible. And I pick passages from the Bible to show that there is something about Islam in there. And the reason why I do this is very simple. If you know any Muslim, they'll always tell you that, did you know that Islam and the Quran were announced in the Bible? Most importantly, did you know that the prophet of Islam, Muhammad, is also in the Bible? And sometimes people are taken by that and not realizing what's going on. So, for instance, one of the most common passages in the, in the Bible that Muslims love to use to tell you that it's about Muhammad is found in Deuteronomy 18, 18, where God was speaking through the mouth of Moses uh, in verse 15. And then God himself in verse 18 saying, I will raise up a prophet for them just like you, meaning God is speaking to the Israelites, who, by the way, Deuteronomy was uh, conducted or composed as a multiple sermons by Moses towards the end of the 40-year journey uh, on the fringes of entering the promised land. And Moses, of course, have already known 
uh, earlier, uh, you know, that he's not going to be allowed to enter the promised land because he disobeyed God when God asked him to speak to the rock. And instead, he hit the rock. And as a result of that, God says, you know what, you disobeyed me and I'm not going to allow you into the promised land. So the Israelites were nervous. You're, you're our first prophet who was mediating between us and God. So what's going to happen to us now? So God assured him through the mouth of Moses in verse 15. And then God directly spoke to the people and say, no worries. Tell them that I will raise prophets like you. But there is a specific prophet and I will raise up a prophet like you. Of course, there were many prophets that came between Moses and the time of Jesus, but here Jesus was the ultimate fulfillment of this because he was the only one who was like Moses and beyond. In terms of the miracles that he performed, the fact that he saw God face to face, he's the son of God who was in the bosom of the father. He was, uh, he preexisted with the father for all of eternity and so on and so forth. But Muslims love to tell you, no, this is speaking about Muhammad. Only Muhammad was like Moses. And the mention of the brothers or the brethren from among your brethren meant Ishmael and Isaac. That's not the case. You can read it in context, starting from verse 1 in Deuteronomy 18, and you'll see the speech is directed to the Levites. They are from the 12 tribes of Israel, and that's what it meant by the brethren. The brethren are the other 11 tribes. Nevertheless, it's interesting how people just pick and choose, because if they continue to read past verse 19 in Deuteronomy 18, this is what we come across in verse 20. And I'm going to read it. Deuteronomy 18, verses 20 to 22. Listen what God is saying about a prophet who claims to be that prophet like Moses. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. Notice, if a prophet lies and says, hey, I'm like Moses, I'm that prophet that God told me to come and speak to you, God says, wait a minute, this prophet is lying. He will die and shall die and put to death in other passages. Verse 21, and if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? In other words, how, how can we tell if this prophet is sent by God or not? That's a good question to ask. That's what people usually wonder. How do I know that this is a, a prophet who's telling the truth or this is a prophet who's lying to me? Now, verse 22 tells you what is the test. The test is this. God told the people, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, Yahweh, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not to be afraid of him. Notice, if someone claims to be sent by Yahweh and speak in the name of Yahweh and prophesies things, then the prophet, if anything prophesies about, didn't come to pass or led the people to worship another god other than Yahweh, as Muhammad did, that prophet is a liar. And Muhammad, by the way, never prophesied a single thing, nor that he ever preached in the name of Yahweh. So that's why I had something in there called Muhammad in the Bible or Islam in the Bible, meaning I'm asking the Muslim people to really pay attention to the rest of the story than just to pick and choose passages. Here's another one that I posted on September 16th, also called Islam in the Bible. Different gospel message. That's the subtitle. A false angel and false prophet. Why did I pick this? Because 
The Bible is telling. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, we read the following, a prophecy, basically, uh, that was uh, prophesied through the mouth of the blessed apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is what it says. But even if we or an angel from heaven, that's Paul speaking, saying even if we, the apostles, or an angel from heaven should preach to you, the believers, and in this case, the Galatians or others like them, a gospel contrary, different to the one we preach to you, which is what? That Jesus came to die for our sin according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day according to the scripture, that he was seen by many. If an angel supposedly appears and say, that's not the gospel. I want you to preach a different one. Or if an, or if an apostle or some, some, someone claiming to be a prophet preaching something different, then let him be accursed. That's what the verse 8 says. In verse 9, he proceeded to say, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 to 10. What did Islam claim? That an angel appeared in a cave to speak to the prophet of Islam, declaring him to be a prophet, to share a message and a gospel that is totally different than the gospel that we have. Because Islam and the message of Muhammad denied the deity of Christ, denied the sonship of Christ, denied the crucifixion of Christ, denied the blood atonement, and denied the fact that Jesus rose again on the third day. Yeah, there you have it. That's what I mean by Islam in the Bible, different gospel message. Now, let's go to another uh, post before uh, I see what, that we are approaching the end of our podcast. Uh, this one is a post on Facebook at alfadi.sira, alfadi.sira. It's called Islam in the Bible again, and this time the subtitle, Bowing Down to Idols, Bowing Down to Idols. What do I mean by this? Muslims pray daily towards a rock, okay? And they call it a sacred house, a pillar of Islam. Prayer is the, uh, uh, basically, uh, the, the pillar that every single Muslim have to do. It is the second pillar of, out of the, uh, the five pillars of Islam. They have to face this rock daily, five times a day at minimum, that is found in Mecca. But the Bible says in Leviticus 26, 1, for instance, you shall not make for yourselves idols, nor shall you set up for yourselves an image or a sacred pillar, nor shall you place a figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. And here is the thing. That's exactly what Islam is promoting a house, a stone, a pillar that people are to bow down to. And the claim is that it is an image of a house found in the first heaven because Muslims believe in seven heaven. So this is yet again why I always like to put posts like this. First, to help our Muslim people to think through this argument. Second, to help those who are reaching out to them to share such things with them because oftentimes, they're really unaware of the argument, nor that they even thought of it. So with that says, we are approaching the end of our podcast. I want to remind you again that you can always go to our Facebook, which is my personal one is alfadi.sira, 
or the ministry one, the Al Fadi, or the page for the ministry Sira International. You can go to our YouTube channel at Sira International. Sira International, and in there you can subscribe. You can become even a, a Patreon patron, a supporter. You can donate as little as one dollar if you want. All of this help us continue to be on the air and help us to produce many of these videos that we have been developing. And at the same time, go to our uh, uh, website just to learn about the many things that we do, which is CRAinternational.com. And we hope that you find this podcast helpful. And you can, of course, find it at Omni Studio, at SoundCloud, at iTunes, at KPXQ1360. All of those sites, including our uh, page, will be helpful to you. And we ask that you continue to join us in prayer and in support And we thank you again for your partnership. And until we meet again, have a blessed day. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.